you know, there's a lot of sports on Sundays at this time of year. Um, but the biggest nail biter out there yesterday was the Brazilian election. Now, this was already one of the most anticipated votes in Latin America in a very long time. It is one of the world's largest democracies, of course. Um, but it was a very close race yesterday. It was down to the second round, just two candidates left. The incumbent, Jair Bolsonaro, who is a right-wing populist candidate. And his opponent was Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, better known as Lula, uh, who had been president back when, about 15 years ago, uh, had wound up in jail because of corruption charges that were then uh, tossed out. And now he's back and now he's president again. And it was very close. He got 50.9% of the vote to Bolsonaro's 49.1, obviously. Uh, It was the closest election since Brazil's return to democracy back in the mid-80s. Luis Inácio Lula da Silva scored a tight victory over Jair Bolsonaro, receiving 50.9% of the vote to the president's 49.1%. While congratulations have poured into Lula from world leaders, Bolsonaro has not reacted in any way. After the results were announced Sunday night, Lula told supporters he'd received no call from Bolsonaro and didn't know whether the incumbent would recognize the result. Bolsonaro's campaign made repeated unproven claims of possible electoral manipulation before the vote, and that's raised fears Bolsonaro will challenge the results. I'm Ben Thomas. Yeah, the usually boisterous, outspoken Bolsonaro has said absolutely nothing since he lost. He hasn't called his opponent to congratulate him. He hasn't conceded defeat. He hasn't done, he hasn't challenged the results either. Sounds kind of familiar. Does Well, it's not actually that familiar because we all remember back to, uh, to November of 2020, and that was a bit of a different scenario, wasn't it? But Bolsonaro, too, has repeatedly questioned the reliability of the nation's electronic voting systems without... A shred of proof, of course. Uh, There were some of the usual voices in America already standing up for apparently saying that Bolsonaro had been cheated out of victory here. Um, We'll see what happens. This is a big deal if he challenges this. We don't know under what grounds he could. And it does complete a stunning political comeback for uh, for Lula da Silva, because really he was written off completely uh, when he was behind bars. And here he is back out and likely as of January 1st, He will be the new president of Brazil. Well, with more on this is Ken Roberts. He's a professor of government who specializes in Latin America. He's at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, and he joins us now. Thanks for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, There were predictions that this would be a bit of a nail biter after round one, uh, but this was this was very close. This was a very close race yesterday. Yes, it was it was very close within two percentage points and um, a little bit less than that. And that's, as you said, people anticipated it was going to be close after the first round, which was closer than expected. Um, and so uh, although the some of the, the surveys were indicating that Lula might win with a, a little bit larger percentage of the vote. But uh, from the first round of the election, it, it seems as if there may be. Uh, you know, a, a tighter margin than what the surveys are showing. And that turned out to be the case here in the second round as well, that it was uh, less less than two per- percentage point difference between the two. Just on uh, on Lulu, or Lula rather, it is a remarkable comeback for him to considering, I mean, he was, in, I remember when he went to jail. Right, yeah. right. He was sent to jail uh, in uh, a number of, of years ago after the completion of his 
uh, two terms in office before. And I mean, it's it's a political career that has gone through a lot of a lot of peaks in a number of valleys uh, because he, of course, served two terms as president between 2002 and 2010. And he left, he left office as the most popular president in the Americas. Uh, he had over 80% approval rating when he left office in 2010. Um, and he turned power over to a successor who was who ended up being less popular. And then there was a corruption scandal against his political party. And so it was difficult times. And eventually the corruption scandal sort of spilled over and uh, and Lula himself was was convicted, although the charges were later later annulled by the Supreme Court. But he was uh, for a while put in prison as a result of the uh, sort of the ongoing corruption scandal in Brazil. It was never real clear the charges against him. It was not clear the the personal culpability of Lula, uh, but he did spend time in prison and was in prison, in fact, during the 2018 election. Otherwise, it's, I mean, to be honest, he probably would have won election in 2018, and what his being in prison opened the doors in some ways for Bolsonaro. And so, but then when the Supreme Court annulled the uh, charges against, um, against Lula and he was let out of prison, he immediately began to run again for the presidency, and, and here we are today. There was a lot of talk heading into yesterday's vote that if it was close as it as it was, uh, that that Bolsonaro wouldn't accept the results. Uh, and so far, we seem to have seen some noise from people in the U.S. and so forth about this election not having been legitimate. But uh, so far from Bolsonaro's camp and from some of his allies, there seems to be a recognition or at least an acceptance of these results for now. That appears to be the case. We're still waiting to hear from Bolsonaro himself, but some of the key people around him have indicated that uh, that the you know that they recognize that he was defeated in a very close race, and that they are inclined to accept uh, that verdict on on the part of the voters. Uh, so until we hear from Bolsonaro, we won't know for sure. Uh, but yes, you're you're right that he made a lot of noise. Uh, you know, I mean, really, even not only before this election, even the last election, he bent over backwards to try to delegitimize the electoral process and to cast doubt on the um, the cleanliness uh, and the veracity of the vote itself. And so he tried to discredit the electoral process. He said it would be riddled with fraud. Um, and so there was a lot of speculation that he would try to, to do something along the lines of what Trump had done in the United States, which would be to not recognize a defeat if he was defeated and that he would try uh, in particular, having somebody who came out of the military and has strong ties to the Brazilian police, the, the concern was that he would try to use those ties to the security forces to try to keep himself in power. But it does not appear um, that that is happening, although there have been some strikes on the part of truckers or basically truck blockages of highways in part of the countryside by uh, truckers who were supporting Bolsonaro. They tend to be another base of support for him. Uh, but the Brazilian armed forces, for the most part, have been seen as, as being relatively professional, even though Bolsonaro himself came out of the armed forces. There's little indication that the Brazilian military leadership um, was inclined to, to go along with any sort of rupture in the democratic process. And so it, it appears at this point as if the results are likely to hold. When you look at the reasons for why Lula won and why Bolsonaro, after four years in power, he, ended up, he was a polarizing figure, why he lost. 
where do you think it what do you think it came down to was it was it Lula's name recognition the fact that he was popular had been popular for a long time or was it more that Bolsonaro uh had angered enough people to lose this time around because often I mean incumbents do have a tendency to be able to hold on right, right. um yeah that's it's a good question and I think there's a little bit of, of both of those elements at work certainly Bolsonaro was a highly polarizing figure uh, and there was uh, he's he's never somebody who had a large majority of support within the country. So there was considerable opposition to the way in which he managed the uh, the COVID pandemic. Considerable opposition to a lot of his other stands on on the environment, on the rights of of indigenous peoples and and women in Brazil. So he was a very polarizing figure on a lot of different issues. Um, but certainly he also did have a core base of support among conservative sectors within the country. And so part of what you see is a polarization of the electorate um, with some, you know, roughly half of the electorate swinging towards Lula and the other half swinging towards Bolsonaro. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I mean, part of what's taken place is that Lula and the PT themselves have become more polarizing over time uh, compared to certainly to when to when Lula left office in 2010, as I said, where he had a, a, over 80 percent approval ratings. But the PT as a party of the left, even though in some ways the party has moderated considerably over the last 20 years. But there are for conservative sectors of Brazilian society, there's still considerable opposition to the PT as well. And so that's why you see this kind of polarization in the electorate between the two different sides. But Lula in particular has a lot of support among low-income sectors of Brazilian society, he remains very popular, uh, in part because he governed in a period of relative economic, uh, a period of good economic performance in the 2010s, or the, the early years of the century when the economy was growing quite rapidly. Poverty levels came down pretty dramatically in Brazil. And so in a lot of ways, it was a government that had a lot of early successes, and that helped to secure some of his support. Okay, when you look at look at sort of this was seen as being a very important vote for the region, but also for I mean the Americas in general. Why was that? Well, for a number of reasons, and of course, keep in mind Brazil is the giant of Latin America, mm-hmm. so it's the largest economy uh, in the region, and it's a country that has considerable political influence. It also tends to be a country that uh, tends to set the political trend lines for other parts of Latin America. And so when when Brazil shifts in a particular direction, sometimes you'll see other countries moving in a similar direction. And part of what's gone on now in recent times after Latin America went through a period early in the in the in the century when there was a political shift to the left. And so the election of Lula was part of that. But Latin America moved back in a more conservative direction when the the global economy turned down, commodity prices fell in 2013, 2014, and the region began moving in a more conservative direction for a number of years. And so the election of Bolsonaro reflected that within the larger Latin American region, there was a, a rather short-lived political shift to the right that took place. But now since 2018, the political winds have been blowing in the other direction. And so with the election of Lula, you now have... Uh, there are six or seven different countries that have elected new presidents on the left over the last four or five years. And so, as I said, the political winds have shifted again, and it, it includes not only Brazil, but also other major countries in the region. So Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, Chile, 
as well as smaller countries like Honduras and, and Peru. Uh, so it, it, part of what's going on is, is a shift in the political winds. And of course, the other set of issues has to do with simply the kinds of policies that would be followed by these, these leaders. Um, the role of the Brazilian government or its, its policies with respect to deforestation in the Amazon and environmental protection, for example, there are enormous differences between Lula um, and uh, Bolsonaro. And so there are broader implications in terms of the kinds of public policies that would, would be adopted on a, on a wide, wide range of issues, certainly the environment, uh, on issues related to, uh, to the rights of women and indigenous peoples, uh, the, the question of guns and security issues in Brazil. So in important ways, these are quite different kinds of political leaders. When it comes to the polarization we're seeing, too, I imagine a lot of political observers outside of Brazil were looking at this election for to see where the winds may be heading, as you pointed out, to see where the uh, where the current is flowing, to use another bad analogy, <laughs> that, uh, uh, in terms of, of polarization, populism and so on, because Bolsonaro is very, seen, very much seen in that vein as a populist leader, not unlike those we see in the States. Um, did you did you do we learn anything yesterday about this, about the polarization, what it may bring? what voting intentions may look like? Uh, what lessons do you think were learned yesterday? I think part of what we're learning is how complex the process of polarization can be in, in Latin America as, as in other places. And of course, it's a, the notion of polarization means different things to different people. A lot of what we're seeing has to do with polarization on cultural issues, which sometimes map onto the left-right economic axis, but they don't necessarily map onto the same axis. They can be quite different. And a lot of the polarization that we're seeing in Brazil and increasingly in other parts of Latin America, it has to do with the politicization of issues around women's rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, religious identities, the role of crime and security and guns. Uh, so a wide range of issues that don't necessarily map onto the traditional left-right economic axis that are part of the polarization process. And I think this makes it very, you know, a very complex phenomenon to try to wrap our heads around. Ken Roberts, uh, we'll stay tuned. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.